Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back, everyone. Episode 8 of the Believe in Padres Prospects podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. San Diego's number one sports podcast network. <laughs> Your face looks hilarious. Back again with Under the Weather Wade. I'm Ryan. It's Sunday, August 11th. How are you feeling, Wade? Great. You look great. I do. You're glowing. I am. On today's show, what are we going to do with Ty France? That's a question I've been asking myself for like the last week because... Ty Francis couldn't be any hotter in AAA right now, and he's kind of proven that he's I – don't, I don't know what you do with him in the majors, so what do we do with him? He's a 25-year-old, kind of a non-prospect. Uh, what round was he picked in? He was a 34th-round draft pick by the Potters in 2015. I'm not sure what you do with him. It's, it's good value now, but what's his future looking like? Can he learn second base? That's something we talked about. Where the hell did Joey Cantillo come from? This guy's – blown up uh, Padres Twitter. So if you follow Padres Twitter at all, you, you're noticing today that Joey Cantillo is starting because the Tin Caps and the Storm and everyone else who has a voice on Padres Twitter is talking about Joey Cantillo, and he's come out of nowhere this year and become kind of a dude in the Padres system. So we're going to talk about him a little bit. And if we have time, odds are we're not going to have time, but I have a new MLB playoff format and a regular season tweak that I want to pitch Wade. We're going to hear what Wade has to say. Wade's been a notoriously a Debbie Downer on all of my tweaks that I have. So we're going to see what you have to think about this. Don't fix it if it ain't broke, you know? Well, I'm going to make the case that it's broke. Let's get to the news first. Jacob Nix is rehabbing at Lake Elsinore. Do we care? Because my short answer is I don't really care. I think we care. Okay, you care. So why do you care? Fourth round draft pick. I mean, Padres see a lot of potential in him. Last year came up, pitched really well before he got hurt. Did he pitch really well? Well, if you think a 702 ERA is pitched well <laughs> for a rookie last year, I think they the Padres are high on him. I think he's a future back end starter. Uh, well, I think they were hoping mid rotation starter, but I think you would take a back end starter. But the, the problem is they have like a lot of guys that are similar to him. Not really. I mean, they're so lefty-dominated. No, the back-end starter types. They right. Have, they have a lot of those. We do need more right-handed pitchers, though. I don't really care. Like, look at the Dodgers who have left-handed pitching, and they've been left-handed starting pitching heavy the last couple seasons. I don't really care which arm you use if you're good. But what's your ceiling? And if his ceiling is mid-rotation, back-end rotation, we have a lot of those guys, so I think he's kind of expendable. But obviously you need to build his value back up because he's been hurt all season. Rehabbing at Lake Elsinore, he's made one start. Um, our our writer, Cassidy Thornburg, so if you go to our website, firefarmhands.com, Cassidy Thornburg went to one of his starts. He pitched four and a third of one run ball. That run was unearned, struck seven guys out. So he's kind of a... Seven con- guys in four innings? 
Yeah, four and a third. Is he back? Back to what? Because, again, last year's ERA was seven <laughs> runs at the major league level. And struck out 21 and 42 innings last year for the Padres. So hopefully he's not back, but hopefully he's a different version of the Knicks that we've seen in the past. I I didn't mind him as a guy to keep an eye on coming up the last couple of years, but now there's so much depth in the system. I just kind of wake me up when he's doing something interesting, pretty He'd much. He'd be much higher on other teams' prospects lists. Probably, because he projects as uh, a rotation guy at minimum. He's He's not lacking so many tools that you foresee him in the bullpen or something. Um, but it, again, though, just like let me know when he's doing something important. Cause right now there's a lot of other things occupying my attention. That makes sense. Yep. Okay. Moving on. Mackenzie Gore was shut down. Did you freak out when you heard that? Not really. No, everyone was kind of prepared. I think if you were, tracking his progress in terms of pitch counts and innings that he's done this year. You kind of knew this was going to come at some point. So for me, at least he's the number two prospect in baseball. I don't have a top 100 list, but I've got in my head a top 10 list and he's right behind Wander Franco of Tampa Bay. He's the number two prospect in baseball. I think it'll be pipeline has been at three or whatever semantics. He's left-handed. He's 20 years old. And I think he's a fu- the future ace of the team unless they do something silly like sign a stud in the offseason or, you know, go after Garrett Cole or they get Noah Syndergaard via trade and he turns into be what we hoped Noah Syndergaard would be. But he's been shut down because of workload management, which as a young pitcher, we all know is really important. And intelligent pottery fans were really quick to, as I said, embrace the decision made by management. He's the most valuable piece we have in the minors. And we're all eyeing 2020 is the year that we're supposed to compete he could very well be a part of this team next year. So although he's going to be limited again next year at some point, he's going to be kind of a, a paddocky type guy that they keep an eye on all season with their, their pitch counts. Um, the thing is last year he was hurt on three different occasions. So the optimism for me with him last year was a little subdued this year. We've seen him healthy all year and it's been, we've seen what he can do. He's turned into one of the best pitchers in baseball last year. We didn't get to see him a ton. He pitched 60 and two-thirds innings with uh, Class A Fort Wayne in his prof- his first professional season. But he's been back so far. Started started Lake Elsinore, which is a hitter-friendly park. He was dominant, literally as dominant almost as you can be as a, as a 20-year-old at high A, facing a lot of older competition, college guys. Sabermetrics guys are going to love the stat. He's 7-1, and one, so seven wins, had a 102 ERA. An 071 whip, 110 strikeouts, and 79 in the third innings. And then they moved him up to Amarillo, which we kind of saw was going to come. Right. I mean, he has nothing else to prove. He went out, dominated this season. I'm completely fine with shutting him down. If There's no need to push him more innings this year. No, on the year, he's got 99 in the third innings, which is 40 more than he had last year. And the Sod Poodles have, or the Padres management have said he could come back during the Sod Poodles playoff run yeah i'd like to see that get him some playoff yeah, playoff experience in the right. minors is still important get the sod poodles a ring i'd love the sod poodles ring uh, yeah it's fine with me so next year though if he's working at a paddock like load maybe he gets up to 120 innings 140 innings most of those are going to be in the minors if he comes up it i think it's be really tough for him to we talked about this before but i think it's gonna be tough for him to break camp with the team even though there's an outside chance it's most likely he spends 
most of next year in the minors, if not all of next year. Do you see him starting in El Paso or going back to he's the bar- He's barely pitched in double A, so why not just leave him in double A? In El Paso, a lot of teams will skip their triple A affiliate with their pitchers. Just because, like we did with Paddock. Yeah, there, there's kind of no reason to send you to El Paso because it's such a heavy... Heavily weighted hitters park. It's it's almost detrimental to the pitcher. Bombs everywhere. Yeah, they came back from ten runs in the ninth inning the other night. Wild. Yeah, but there's no. There, I don't think there's any reason to send him to El Paso unless it's just like a cup of coffee and there's a matchup you like him to get, or he's on the road or something like that. But again, yeah, like you said, Paddock was able to skip it no problem, and I I could see them doing the same with him. So do you see him next year being on the squad, or you think? I think he definitely gets a taste. I don't know towards the end of the year. Yeah, I would assume towards the end of the year. We'll see what he does in spring training because I kind of expect him to get invited. Younger and younger prospects every year are getting invited. and um, But it, I, I expect him up at some point, and it's going to be kind of like Paddock this year where we just get a tease, just a taste of what he can do. Maybe even less innings than what Paddock's thrown 110 innings this year. It seems like he's How many did Paddock more. throw last year? I think it was like 80. So they're – Pretty much almost identical trajectories. Well, he threw 90 last year, so across Elsinore and San Antonio. This is the same. Yeah, you like he's older. He's more, he's more advanced at the time because at the time he was 22, and he was coming off of an injury and rehabbing that. He had more experience than Gore has at this point, but Gore's also the better prospect with better stuff. And as good as Paddock's been, we still project Gore to be better. Much better. Which is a scary thought. So... You were talking about how you wanted to sign a pitcher in the offseason. You think that'd be a good move. But at the same time, I see in two years, uh, the front of the staff is homegrown talent, Paddock and Gore, who are both studs and under team control and cheap. I don't know why you would need to sign. You still need a veteran guy to teach the young guys. Okay, but do you need to overspend on an ace for that presence? Or can you get cheaper options? I mean, you can never have too much pitching. That's true. But you can't have too much old, expensive pitching. up. I mean, look what the Astros are doing right now. Yeah, but they they have a place. They don't have the the stable of arms that the Padres do. I guess you're right. But so they went and traded for Cole, and they traded for Verlander, and they traded for Granke. None of the none of those own guy. Forrest Whitley's an option for them down I'd the road. I'd still like to see us go out and get one, either through trade or even. Sign. I just don't want to spend a ton of money on someone. That's. I mean, I'm all for getting veteran pitching because the staff is very young. I think you need like like a Clayton Richard. Last year was a really good. Option is, is the team's kind of rebuilding and didn't matter if they won or not, but the team's going to have the expectations next year. I want someone that's going to contribute, and I don't want it to be Clayton Richard. No, no offense, Clayton, but I also don't want to spend max money on Garrett Cole because we've seen, other than like Max Scherzer, pitching contracts suck around the league. Like they couldn't, the Diamondbacks couldn't get rid of Granky. Until the the Astros were given this big haul for for Granky, but last year they tried to trade Granky, and no one would take him because of that contract. And Strasburg might be available next year. It just these guys are too expensive, and I'd rather spend the money other places. Other places, that's all. Other news: my boy Luis Patino. Calling him your boy now. Yeah, he's I I gotta have a boy, and he's mine. Cause I don't know. I feel like I was one of the first guys on him. That's all. Is he better than Gore? Hot take alert. No. No, he's probably not. But he was promoted last Wednesday as well. I have him as my number two prospect in the pottery system. So he's ahead of guys like Luis Arias, Taylor Trammell, others. He's an absolute stud. He's a year younger than Gore. He's 19. 
going to join Gore at Amarillo. That should tell you everything immediately. If you don't know anything else about Luis Patino, he's 19 and was such a dominant force in the hitter-friendly California League that he's already going up to double-A. Where he was younger than most players in single-A. Now he's even now he's yeah by far the youngest in double-A. <laughs> it's ridiculous. So he doesn't quite have the ceiling of Gore, although I like to imagine he's just as good as Gore. I feel he's safely a mid-rotation starter. That's his floor if things don't work out for him, like injuries or... Uh, Stamina issues. If he doesn't, he can't go deep in the games for whatever reason. He's he's a little on the small side for a starting pitcher, but he's he's not like a Davy Garcia who we talked about with Chris Welsh a couple weeks ago. He's not five nine, five ten. He's six feet tall. He's an average sized dude, a little undersized for a pitcher. But his career innings has been this season, and it's eighty seven so far, and it's all been at high A. Uh, 269 ERA. Nice. Yeah. 17 starts. Seven of those starts, he went six plus innings. So that doesn't seem, that doesn't jump out at you. That's not really impressive if you don't follow the minor leagues. But it's kind of common for minor league pitchers to be at like the three inning, four inning, five inning kind of range. If you go look at game logs, that's where starting pitchers kind of live. And it's for various reasons. Teams want to manage young pitchers' workloads. They want to, keep innings down, keep pitches per inning down. They want to limit their exposure. And realistically, they're just really young, and maybe you don't want to have them go through the same lineup three times or something. But he's been really efficient for a young guy, too. And the Padres have turned him a little bit loose. Seven of his outings have been 90-plus pitches. So he's getting through innings. He's throwing a lot of pitches. He's striking out 11.69 per nine. Nice. Yeah. And he's walking three and a half per nine, which – is a little high, but because he's so young, I'm optimistic that number can come down. And as long as he's not up around like four, I'm fine with where the, the walks are for now. And then, I mean, the Padres obviously going to shut him down pretty soon too. I would think so. Uh, also, the whip is 1.09, which is just fantastic for a young pitcher. Anything under 1.2 is great. But yeah, what's his... Uh, so season high in innings, we, we, I said that earlier, he's 87. So you expect him, as the season kind of winds down, they kind of tailor him back a little bit. He's probably going to get shut down at some point soon, but he's done everything he needs to do this year. He stayed healthy. He's looked amazing. He's flown up prospect lists everywhere. Yeah, I mean, it's just crazy that the Padres have two young guys that have already just flown through single We knew a. about Gore. And Patino we thought was going to be good, and now he looks great. He's a guy that they're not – talking about moving in trades. Like if they, if they really wanted Syndergaard, I'm sure they could have went out and got him with a deal around Luis Patino, but they, I wouldn't have, he's untouchable. I wouldn't have traded Patino either. Yeah. I think he looks untouchable. Last thing I wanted to mention about him strike percentage. So we were talking about how efficient he's been all season. How do we compare him against other pitchers in the majors with his strike percentage? So he's at 65% for the season. And lately, I mean, he's been a little under that, but you know, it's late in the year. He's at a mat. He's throwing more innings than he's ever thrown before. So I don't really care. But for reference, Max Scherzer leads the league in strike percentage this season at 69.4%. And a pitcher like Patino, who we compare him to, who's at 65, he'd be in the Steven Strasburg, Zach Granke range. Like that's who else is throwing 65%. I mean, is that stat really even noteworthy? I mean, just, throwing strikes anyone can throw strikes anyone can't well not anyone can throw strikes but 
you would expect a guy like him to throw strikes. The, th- the thing I like about that number is b- we talked about the walks are three and a half. So he's walking a good amount of guys, but he's also striking out a lot of guys and he's throwing strikes to strike them out, which I think is noteworthy because he, he can have those high strikeout rates, but also stay efficient and pitch deep in the games. Watching the Potters this year, not many of the starting pitchers are efficient and go deep. And if Patino is a guy not that... Not many. None. None. Okay. <laughs> I was being kind. So none go deep into games because they're not efficient with their pitches. And maybe they are striking guys out, but they use a lot of pitches to strike people out. Patino is doing both. He's striking dudes out, walking some guys, admittedly, but also pounding the strike zone and has been efficient all year. That's what I like to see. C.J. Abrams was promoted. My boy. A little bit of news. This is your boy. And he's also injured. So one thing I want to throw out, is he going to be the Padres' best prospect this time next season? If Gore and Patino are promoted? Yeah, Gore and Patino, let's just assume they get called up late and they're not not eligible for prospect lists by this time next year. Although that, let's, that's a, a very optimistic projection, but let's just assume it is. I mean, with the way he's flying through rookie ball low a already to high a will blew the front doors off a of rookie ball right. so let's get to what he did in rookie ball he was playing for the azl padres one Padres have two azl teams because they have so many stud prospects he hit casual 401 and 104 at bats three home runs 14 steals and he all he did at the start of his pro career was get drafted and then walk on the field and get a hit in 19 straight games in 13 multi-hit games. Oh, yeah, 13 of those games were multi-hit games, which is just insane. If that were a video game, I would turn it off because it's absurd. I wouldn't I wouldn't play. Um, do you have a history of doing that when you ran into weird shit playing video games? Oh, always turn it off. Yeah. Restart. The, if you're the, losing. The one for me was when you were playing those all the college football game, like the EA Sports college football, and you'd throw a da- uh, like a, a line drive over the linebacker's head and the linebacker sticks up one hand and just rips it out of the sky like fuck turn the shit off yeah you can't ruin your dynasty (laughs) so he's hurt cj abrams that is uh he had a bone bruise in his like his shoulder how do you get a bone bruise in your shoulder did he get hit by a pitch i missed it but he's only expected to miss a couple weeks i don't really care do you no i mean yeah he's only been up what a month now yeah the season's been such a success for him and there's only three more weeks in the season anyways just sit him the rest of the year. He's cool. I think he's done any, everything he needs to do this season. Like he's he's gotten all the accolades. He's gotten all the prospect notice. He's flown up prospect lists. I think Keith Law had him in his top thirty midseason or something, which is I thought was really aggressive. And he was the only one in that draft class in the top thirty, right? I'd have to go check. I don't know how it in front of me. You want to look that up? No, I don't know how. <laughs> I could see him easily being my number three guy. Before the season is over. So I'm going to do another list when the season ends. I could see him passing all these dudes. So right now he's behind guys like Hudson Potts, Ryan Weathers, Xavier Edwards, Adrian Morajon, Luis Arias, and Patino Gore. I could see him being ahead of everyone not named Patino Gore by end of season. I know we talked about it, but do you still see him at shortstop? Yeah, or you think- definitely. I definitely see him at shortstop. Although... It is, a, it is a valid question because he could be a center fielder long term. He's, right. he's got the size and the speed for center field and the arm. It's just it's going to depend on what the team looks like in a couple of years when he's making his way up the ladder. But if he if the place to play him is at center field, 
cool. I'm fine with him at center field. Assuming, you know, Tatis is still there and healthy and doing everything that Tatis, we imagine that he's going to do. But if CJ Abrams path is center field, I think the Potters are fine with that. But for now you leave him at, at shortstop because that's where his value, that, that's where the max value is to out of him. Right. You know, last news tidbit for the day. Taylor Trammell update. So it's been 10 games and spoiler alert. He's been terrible. So that's your boy. Go defend him. You love the trade immediately. You love Trammell. Well, have you noticed they've changed his swing? So he's working on a new swing. I mean, he's, he's had the one home run. The one home run looked nice. (laughs) The one home run. Yeah. He's got one home run. It's been 10 games. Hitting a buck 79. You know, uprooted his whole life, got traded. Young kid. 10 games. Framel race has been pretty bad in Cleveland. Framel's been pretty awful. <laughs> Who regrets that trade more? Irrational Padre fan that wanted to keep Fran Mill or irrational Reds fan was like, I love Taylor Trammell. I don't want to lose. Who's more pissed about this trade? I would say the Reds. The Reds probably. Anyway, are you concerned? No, not at all. It's been 10 games. Okay. Just wanted to see if overreaction theater was in session tonight. Watch. Or... He's going to go. He's going to have a great week this week. By the time we talk next Sunday. Whoa. Mark it down. Yep. Okay, we'll mark it down. No, no, no real news with Taylor Trammell other than he's not performing. But thought we'd throw him in there. He will. It's been it's been over a week, so I'm still optimistic. Anyway, let's get to our first seg of the day. I never heard of half of these guys, and the ones I do know are way past the prime. Most of these guys never had a prime. This guy here is dead. And I wanted to talk about rising star Joey Cantillo and we're assuming it's Joey Cantillo I've never heard anyone outs like how else would you pronounce that any Cantillo I don't know I've never heard anyone with authority refer to him out loud and never heard the pronunciation I mean I guess you could look on baseball reference but baseball reference I've seen is wrong been wrong in the past and they don't have everyone's pronunciation if you're especially if you're a, a minor league guy but and he kind of came out of nowhere, 16th round pick. Yeah, so we're just all kind of trying to figure out who he is. The last few weeks, he's been so studly that he's popped up on all these prospect websites, and LB.com is throwing stuff out on Twitter about him. And so Pottery fans have taken notice, and we wanted to dive a little deeper and to see who he is and where he's come from and why is he so good this year. So one thing, let's, let's get who he is. He's 6'4", he's lefty, he's from Hawaii, Fun fact about him, his dad played soccer at University of Miami, so oh, athletic family. And I guess they moved to Hawaii at some point in his childhood. So he's from uh, Oahu. They went to uh, Kailua High School um, just outside of Honolulu. Like I said, 6'4", low 90s fastball. He's, he's said publicly that he's trying to get a little more velo on the fastball, get him up into the mid-90s, which give him the Major League Baseball, and I'm sure he could because everyone's throwing mid-90s. He's emphasizing the changeup a lot more this season. So he's he's been kind of portrayed as this soft throwing, command oriented lefty, which is, you know, Eric, it sounds like Eric Lauer or Joey Lucchese. Um, a little bit of deception in the delivery, but he used to throw his curveball 15, 20 times a game, and we've seen that usage rate drop this year. They've been focused him, they focused him more on the changeup, which you've seen at the major league level with Michelle Baez, who's been more focused on his changeup. Kind of gotten away from the slider, which made him really successful in the minors. 
maybe the changeup's the new thing with the Padres. I mean, we've seen organizations kind of emphasize certain pitches, like the Astros are emphasizing. I mean, new thing. It always has been. The changeup? Yeah. Well, going back to Hoffman, I guess. But that was a Hoffman thing. I don't think it was an organizational thing necessarily. But teams will make a, a point of saying, like, hey, use this pitch in favor of this pitch because we think this is more effective, especially if it's more effective coming from you, we think this is your better pitch, throw it more. So the Astros are famous for this. But if we're seeing a command lefty who has like a show me breaking pitch and then a good changeup, I think we're in really good shape with Cantillo and looking at what he's done this year, graduated from low A, they, they promoted him to, to high A, he's pitching tonight for the storm. First inning struck out the side. How did uh, he also load the bases? He did load the bases, though. <laughs> but in low A, he was 9-2 and two with a 160 ERA in 18 starts and striking out 11.7 per nine with a good walk, with a 2.1 walk rate. So in a, in a, a one or a, an 082 whip, which is nasty. So he's only 19. He's he's moved up to where Patino was. Patino was 19 doing it at, at high A. Cantillo has been just as good, if not better, at low A. Doesn't have the ceiling as Patino or Gore. And I don't think we expect him to grow into that ceiling, but this just turned into a guy kind of out of nowhere, a late pick by the Padres a couple of years ago. He was 17th round or sorry, 16th round in 2017 was going to go play sec baseball at Kentucky. Yeah. He was getting, he was committed to Kentucky before the draft and the Padres signed him for 300. That's such a random recruiting Kentucky recruiting in Hawaii. Yeah. I don't know much about Kentucky's, Pipeline is a baseball program, but it'd be, I would imagine it's hard to get guys from Hawaii to come play. Yeah. And baseball too. Football, I guess they all go to California. They go to Oregon and USC. Um, but baseball, I guess, I mean, the only two other Hawaiians that, well, Kirby Yates, Hawaiian. People forget. True. Yeah. But the Hawaiians that jump out to me are Colton Wong and Kean Wong. Both are from the Big Island. And we, we get every year there's some, some, uh, Hawaiian kids drafted. Hawaii's got some decent baseball out there, but he was the number one prospect in Hawaii when he was drafted. And it, it makes sense that Kentucky would look after him, but I'm surprised he didn't really the number one prospect in Hawaii fell to the 17th round, 16th, 16th. Yeah. But Hawaii usually has, I mean, there's some, there's some talent. Yeah. Shane Victorino. Nice call. The flying Hawaiian. How about his nickname, though? Yeah, so if Shane was flying Hawaiian, and now they're calling uh, Kentio Hawaiian, Hawaiian Punch, Punch. Which, is, which is admittedly a great nickname, but then when you think about it, probably every kid coming, off, coming out of Hawaii is probably called the Hawaiian Punch. That's a pitcher. It's a pitcher, yeah. The punch outs, you know, makes sense for a pitcher. But I, I like Kentio. I like what I've seen. I, I'm sad that he got scooped up early in my Dynasty League. I, I played Dynasty Baseball and... Nerd. Yeah, sorry. Sorry about it. But yeah, we keep uh, a list of minor. I have 50 minor league players and the pool of minor leagues is, a, is goes a few hundred deep and Contillo's already been snatched up. So that kind of shows his value relative to our Dynasty Baseball League. It's a, probably a top 400 prospect, top 300 prospect. And that might even be low on him. He's going to probably have to make an appearance in my top 30 by the end of the season and probably push for top 15. Wow. He's moving that high up. He's, board. He's, he's got some helium. He's got the most helium of any prospect in the system. I don't think that's going on a limb. Yeah. I mean, another lefty from the Padres. <laughs> I was just thinking we need more lefties on the roster <laughs> and he's going to reward us with another lefty. Last thing we're going to talk about has been the reemergence of Ty France. 
So another guy that's been getting a lot of attention in the Padres system nationally because of the dirty numbers he's been putting up at AAA. Insane numbers. He's been putting up Barry Bonds numbers at AAA. Yeah. Is a guy who wasn't really a prospect at any point in his career. Even when he got called up, he was he was projected to be the Padres' third baseman out of spring training just because the Padres didn't have anybody else. And then Manny kind of... He was projected put as him like in a, a weird position. He was projected at like a point one war for the season, I think, going into it. And then, yeah, Manny is going to occupy third base for a while. Tatis is going to occupy short. They've been trying France out at second. I like that move. Well, I think it's, it's a where else can you put him? It's if Arias was running away with second, then which he isn't, which he's definitely not. But he's shown some. He's shown life lately. You're very you're notoriously anti Arias, but he's shown a lot of life. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to see him at second. I don't know. France? Uh, yeah. Well, If he can even put up anywhere close to these numbers he's putting up, he's putting up video game numbers in AAA right now. Yeah, and unfair video game numbers. He's hitting just you know 400 with 27 home runs and a 476 on base. John Dowd of MVP base. John Dowd numbers, yeah. And he's not walking at all, but if you are hitting 400 and you hit a home run every fourth game or every... I don't know, 20% of the time. Who, who cares if you're not walking? Like, he doesn't. He hasn't needed to walk. So I'm kind of just a little worried that he's maybe developing bad habits. But are we going to really criticize the kid for hitting 400 with 30 home runs in AAA? Yeah, I mean, has anyone ever even hit 400? They were talking about that on, uh, I think, MLB Pipeline's Twitter. Like, who's the last person to hit 400 at AAA? And it, it's not a great... It wasn't a great list of people that were leading or close to 400. So another reason to kind of be cautious with this, it does not, we know this doesn't, El Paso numbers don't translate to Petco. Renfro hit 300 at El Paso with 30 bombs. And so far we've just seen Renfro hit 230, 240. With 31 bombs though. Yeah, but if you're hitting 230, 240, he's playing a good outfield, admittedly, but France better play a a swick second base or... like I I just don't know how these numbers are going to translate. I guess he needs another chance, that's all. Right. I mean, just him putting up these numbers, though, you got to figure the trade values in there now. I hope so. But he's 25. Is there enough value? Are we are we tricking any teams? Like, I think all the teams have their scouts at these AAA games pretty consistently. And is the ball just carrying really well? Is he just is he really mashing or is it something else? I don't know. These numbers are insane. He's got to be. Someone's going to give him a chance if it's not us. So how did he not get moved at the deadline for something? He's he's clearly not a piece that's going to carry a trade. If, if, if it's just a load of prospects that the Padres are moving, he's he can't be the headliner. I would expect him to be like the third guy. Right. That, oh, he's a little older, but he's mashing at AAA. Let's throw him out at third base and we'll, we'll see what we have. We're rebuilding. We're the Marlins. Like, But he was going to go to the Mets or something. There's really no – I don't know – what they would do with him because he's older than a lot of their prospects who guys are up already. Maybe he's a Jeff McNeil guy, guy that late bloomer. Yeah. Mets 12th round pick in 2013. So kind of the same path maybe. And you always like to see SDSU products do well. Yeah. Loke dog kid people. West Covina, West Covina, San Diego state kind of just born to be a Padre. It looks like, but we'll see. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to what he does the end of this year and next year. And I hope he and, breaks that 400. That'd be sweet. What, there's like three weeks left in the AAA season? I'd get a shirt. I think he could do it. Last last guy to hit 400 shirt, Ty France. 
I'd, I'd buy that. What brewery is going to make a Thai France beer? We'll talk to uh, Alesmith. Last thing, we do have time for it. You're lucky. You're lucky guy, Wade. We have time for me to pitch you my new MLB playoff format and a little sprinkle of regular season tweakage. So, first of all, do you think anything's wrong with the current MLB regular season or playoff format? No. You think it's perfect the way it is? This is the way it should be. I like it. Which is weird because they kind of do change it every decade or so. First, like, it was I the like two the divisions. Game. It was the two divisions, and then we'd have you know like f- uh, just a handful of playoff teams, and then it went to three divisions. Division winners would go, and then a wild card, and then they've recently added another wild card. And you like that? You like the two wild cards in that one playoff? Yeah. Okay. Well, here's the problem, and I'm gonna explain it. Then you can ask your questions and. Tell me if you like it or not. You are notoriously resistant to change. All things I ever pitch you, you're super resistant. But I think you're going to like this. So the problem I have with the MLB playoffs is that, well, first of all, the regular season is not balanced, which I think it needs to be balanced. It bothers me a lot that the Padres drive right past Anaheim to play the Dodgers and never stop at Anaheim. There's a there's a major league baseball team in Anaheim. Why do they never stop to play them? Because they're not their natural rivals. It's it's dumb, is my point. So the better cup, bro. I back to back champs. They're they're nine they're ninety miles away and they never play. It's ridiculous. We're, we'll fly to New York to play, but we won't drive an hour and a half to play the Angels. So you don't want an AL and NL. Well, they can have an AL and NL. I want them to be West Coast and East Coast, though. Call the National League the West Coast or the the Western League and they call the American League the Eastern teams or whatever. either Or flip them. I don't care. But to make travel a lot easier on all the teams, especially teams like the Mariners, whose division rivals are in Texas, split the leagues up into East and West and call them the National League and the American League. But I don't think that would be a problem. And then you add a team to each to make it 16 and 16 and play a balanced schedule. What do you think about that? What cities are you adding these teams in? It doesn't matter. Portland? Put one in Portland. Put one in Vancouver. Put one in Monterey. I don't really care. But put one back in Montreal. It doesn't really matter. That's a whole nother podcast that we could do. But even the teams out, literally, even numbers, and make them 16 and 16, and then play a balanced schedule. Cool? Yeah. Okay, Wade's in on that. So if the schedule is balanced, do you know how the the English Premier League works? Zero clue. Zero clue. The English Premier League has 20 teams, and they do a home and road with everyone else, and the the league is perfectly balanced. The the schedule is balanced. So they play 40 games a year? Yeah, in just Premier League. That means they do other cups, and they do Champions League, and they do Europa League. But just Premier League, it's a perfectly balanced schedule. And then at the end of the season... The team that has the most points just wins the Premier League. There's no playoffs. Okay, I'm not going to do that. I'm not getting rid of our playoffs. But I think there should be some reward for ha- for winning the league. So if the National League, we're just going to use the National League here, played a balanced schedule all season, everybody played each other an even number of times, the team at the end of the season who is who leads the league should win the league. Give them the National League trophy. They earned it. They they spent all season and came out on top. They should get something for that. Currently, the current model, 
for the regular season kind of doesn't mean anything if you're first or second. If you win your division. But it doesn't mean anything in any American sport. What? The regular season. You just get the top seed. It's the seed. Yeah. So NFL, you get a bye. Whoa. <laughs> that voice crack. NFL, you get a bye, which is nice. But it's an unbalanced schedule, too. So we have playoffs because none of the schedules are balanced because of things like travel. But in baseball, if the league, if the schedule is balanced and you spend, if you go through the 162 game gauntlet and have the best record, I think you should get rewarded with the the trophy. Give them the National League championship. They won the National League this year. And then they're going to move to my version of the Champions League. So are you ready for this? Ten teams, five from the National League, the top five teams top five teams from the American league get thrown into a pool, a playoff pool where everybody will play everybody once it's a round Robin tournament. So travel is going to be a little interesting. You can't have, there's trouble with back-to-back days. You can't play back-to-back. So what ends up happening is let's say the Padres made the playoffs and we're all on even ground now. There's no buys. There's no top seed. Everybody's going to play everybody. Ten teams. So you would have nine games in that first round. Against all, You'd play all the other opponents. With me so far? Sure. How's it looking? You like it? Not good. <laughs> so you would play all the other nine teams. And like based on where these teams are located, you well, you never have a back-to-back, but you'd maybe have a nice homestand for four or five games, and then you go on the road for four or five games and hopefully these you can schedule it depending on where everybody is, where it's the min, the least amount of travel for you, but you would get to play everybody once. So you're promised you make the playoffs. You were now you're promised nine games. Doesn't that sound appealing to you instead no. of, instead of a one game wild card or a best of five? No, baseball is all about series. Is it? Yeah. It, you don't just play one game in our, baseball. Our series, the series don't mean anything. Series were set up because teams back in the day, it was a bitch to get anywhere. So they took the train five hours. They didn't want to play one game. They, they stayed for three. That's why they did that. It's kind of obsolete when you think about it. But this way, instead of playing a one game, I mean, you're all about series, but you're pro the one game playoff. So that's well, cause they didn't win their league. They didn't earn the right to be in a series yet. Okay. But this way, the top five teams still make it. And you were promised nine games. If you're hot at the right time, you can, Okay, so the top four teams coming out of that round-robin tournament go to the series. Now you're getting the series. So six teams are eliminated who had the worst record. There are going to be tiebreakers in there too if they have the same record or whatever. Run differential, we'll call it. And then the top four will advance to the semifinals. And then you get a best of seven. Best of seven, best of seven. There's two of them. And then those two winners play each other in the World Series for a best of seven. I don't like this at all. Okay, what do you not like about it? The whole thing is making your pitching staff to go for a playoff series. So any random team can get the ace one day and then the fifth or sixth starter the next day. But you're so pl- it's not fair. You're playing nine games. So you didn't get your ace one day, but you have your ace the next day. What's the problem? And there's more rest days built into the schedule. So you can throw your pitching staff more often. So because you never play back-to-backs, you throw your ace in game one, then he's off. And then there's game two, he's off. And then there's an off day again. He can pitch the four, he can pitch the third game already. 
I don't know. I don't like it. I think you just hate creativity. I think you don't want to mess. You don't want to rock the boat at all in any way. It's not broken. Then why did they just add a second wildcard team? In a one-game playoff. For ratings. Would you have said it was not broken before? Were you against that idea? Now you love the idea. That a box you in? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Anyway, I think the idea is creative. I don't think they'll ever do anything like this. But I think it'd be fun to give teams more opportunities in the playoffs. It balances the regular season schedule. It rewards winning the regular season, which currently there is no reward for, which I think is absurd. And then you still get the the semifinals best of seven and you get the World Series best of seven. So it kind of, I think it borrows a few things from international soccer, like a Champions League style format, um, which is actually more of a, a, a tournament, not a round robin. But it gives a, it gives a balanced playoff format as well. And you get more games in the playoffs for each team instead of maybe one and you're done or three and you're done. That's my take. I think it's fun. You're not going to say anything? I'm not in on it. Okay, you're not in on it. Fine. On that note, we will get out of here. So thank you, everyone, for tuning in today. Episode 8. Follow our Twitter account. It is at Friar Farmhands. Like us, retweet us, follow us. If you enjoy the show, please remember to subscribe. We're available on all your favorite platforms. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeart. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. Please leave your comments, questions, concerns, and your rating of the show on all platforms. You you dying on me or what? I'm just getting way better at that. (laughs) Are you? (laughs) You've been listening to Believe in Pottery's Prospects on the Believe Podcast. Let me do that again. Oh, you're allowed to redo it? Yeah. You want to redo yours? I crushed it. Okay, you crushed it. You've been listening to Believe in Padres Prospects on the Believe Podcast Network, San Diego's number one sports podcast network. For Wade, I'm Ryan. See you guys next week. Just move on toward your destination. Though you may find from time to time. What'd you do yesterday? No, we're not going to get You're not gonna this. Do- <laughs> Just give me something. I'll cut it. No. <laughs> You know, it's, you're in you're in Newport, right? Don't do this. What? This is not fair to pot. It was Anthony's birthday. What was it? Don't. You went on a boat, fishing trip. All right. On today's show, for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.